my subject to the title of the message this morning is knowing the Holy Spirit. Knowing the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to know the Holy Spirit? One, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) All right. How many of you want to know the Holy Spirit more and better? Amen. I, I do. I do. Now, when you, when you see a title is Knowing the Holy Spirit, oh great, I'm going to pay my full attention because by the end of this message, I will know the Holy Spirit. No, let me confess. It's a little bit of a misleading title, okay? Just to catch your attention. Why am I saying that? Guys, this is such a vast subject. Imagine if I were to give you a title of a talk, Knowing Pastor Valdir. 30 minutes talk. I'm human, I'm limited, and yet I don't think you could sit over there, listen for 30 minutes, and walk out just saying, now I know Pastor Valdir. You could sit here for 30 minutes and hear some facts about Pastor Valdir. But you better hang out with him for a while, have some coffees with him, some meals, talk to him, get into relationship, into friendship. And then, after maybe 10 or 20 years, you might be able to say, I know Pastor Valdir fairly well. (laughs) Are you with me? Because the relationship is a complex thing. Relationship is not an academic matter. You don't get textbooks on relationships between people. And so I'm confessing to you, all we're doing this morning is we are scratching the surface, knowing the Holy Spirit. One cannot fully cover this matter in one sermon. We can just touch a fraction. There are books and books and books written on the person of the Holy Spirit. Experiences and, and, and. So it is a vast subject and it's something which you are always learning about and growing in knowledge. Plus, I think on this side of eternity, no one can ever say that they know and understand God completely. Hello? Because Holy Spirit is God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the divinity, is the trinity. He is God. And if anyone can say, hey, I understand God and I know God, then you're about equal to God. (laughs) And none of us are there. We are growing in our knowledge of God. And this morning I pray that as I share with you a teeny weeny little bit about the Holy Spirit, that it will help us to grow a little bit more in our knowledge of Him, in our understanding the Holy Spirit. As we've said already today, is Pentecost Sunday. When we celebrate the day the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples who were gathered in that upper room in Jerusalem. That was the promise that had been given them. And and that day started like any normal feast day. Remember, this happened on a Jewish feast day, the Feast of Pentecost. It was one of the three main feasts which the Jews were called together in Jerusalem to celebrate. It was related to harvest and end of harvest. And that day in the temple, two, two loaves of bread were going to be offered to the Lord. And it was a time when Jerusalem got packed with people. Jews came from all over the world. Back in that time, Jews already lived scattered around the world. Some were there in Rome and and some in Greece and some in Turkey and some in all over the place. 
And they would come from all these countries to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem. And it was a normal day, like any other feast. Cities packed, they gathered, and the disciples are gathered in the upper room that morning. When suddenly things begin to happen. Our scriptures for today are Acts chapter 1 and John 16. I'm going to read them to you. I didn't put the whole text on the slide. But let me read them to you. If you've got your Bible or your device, you're welcome to open and follow me. We're going to start first of all with Acts chapter 2. Now, this was a new thing for everybody. In that city, and even for the guys in the upper room. Remember, this is the first time that the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself. This has never happened before in history. But they are gathered in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. How do you wait for something that you have no idea what it's all about? How do you wait for something that has never happened before. How how do you prepare your mind to that? Now, they had been speaking about this. The Old Testament does make reference to the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, it's, it's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of the Lord. But it's talking about the same entity, the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, He is revealed as the Holy Spirit. And Jesus spoke much about him. And just now we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said. So the disciples, all they had was Old Testament and knowledge of Scripture. And they had conversations that Jesus had with them about the Holy Spirit. And that's it. And now they're waiting. They're hanging. We're waiting for something. I don't know what we're waiting for, but we're waiting, man. We're waiting. We're waiting. Let's read in Acts chapter 2 to see what happens that day, it's, it's a story you're familiar with, but it's always good to read and, and remember. And every time you read the story, it just helps us to, to catch new things. And I encourage you today, sometime in the course of the day, maybe this evening or sometime, just sit down and read through the whole chapter 2 of Acts. Because that chapter describes what happened on this day all those years ago. It was the launch of the church, the church of Jesus Christ becoming public. The day in which the first sermon was preached. And on that day, almost 3,000 people came to the Lord, began to follow Christ, and the whole thing began to move from there. But Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, with one accord, in one place. So the guys, they had been talking, they had been praying. There was no accord with them. They were with one mind, one purpose. They were in one place. And then suddenly, and suddenly, because remember, no one told the disciples, you must go to Jerusalem and wait until the day of Pentecost. They had no idea. They were probably gathered in the morning, and then later on, they were going to go to the temple, because it was their custom to go to the temple anyway. It was a day of feast. They were going to go and and do whatever they do in the temple on feast days. To them, it was another normal day. They were just gathered. But then suddenly, unexpectedly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, imagine this. That you're sitting over here, and then all of a sudden you begin to hear this mighty wind. And it's right here. But the curtains aren't moving. 
your hair isn't blowing, but you're hearing this wind. Imagine that. Now we could recreate that here today. If I had prepared a little bit better, I would have given the guys some sound effects of wind, you know. And you could be sitting and you could hear the winds. Today we can do this because we've got fancy sound systems. Back in Jerusalem, no sound system. So what they heard was real, man. From somewhere, there's a sound of a mighty wind. But there is no wind blowing. And so they kind of look around. What, what is going on? And as they look around, this is what happens next. Then... There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. I'm just trying to picture this. Imagine us here. We are sitting here, and then all of a sudden, and you begin to hear this, this wind. And you go, what's going on? And as you look around, you see what looks like tongues of fire just coming upon everyone. And you go, What? And as you're about to get into the second level of panic, people begin to speak spontaneously in strange tongues. Look what happens. Verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here's the interesting thing. These 120 that were gathered, they were local yokels. They're all people from the neighborhood over there. They spoke Greek. They spoke Hebrew, the language of the day. But all of a sudden, here's one guy getting up, and he's speaking Italian. A guy's never left Jerusalem, but he's fluent Italian. He's glorifying the Lord. Now, this noise and all this commotion that took place in the upper room didn't confine itself to the upper room. This noise was heard outside the upper room. So now watch. Jerusalem is packed with people. Thousands of people. Jews from all over the world are there. And these Jews, of course, they speak Jewish. They probably spoke Greek as well because it was the world language of those days. And then they spoke the language of the country where they came from. So here they are. They begin to hear this noise as well. What is going on? Then this sounds like a crowd of people all talking at the same time. But then as they approach, the, the, the Jew that came from, from Italy, from Rome there, he says, hey, this is a dude, he's speaking fluent Italian. And he's magnifying God in Italian. And the guy that came there from Turkey, he has me, but somebody's speaking in Turkish, talking my language. And it was like, what is going on here? And the Holy Spirit empowered them. To glorify God in a language they did not understand, they did not learn. And something powerful took place there that day. These 120 people, which up that moment were reserved, timid, a little bit scared because of the persecution that had been following Jesus, all of a sudden they get filled with courage. They go outside. Peter, one of their leaders, the guy that a couple of weeks ago was rejecting Jesus, ashamed of Jesus, ducking and diving and running away, he comes out. And with courage and boldness, he preaches the gospel. 
And says, these guys aren't drunk as some of you guys think because some people thought this bunch was drunk. Who makes such a noise, such a racket at nine o'clock in the morning? Huh? Unless you've had something to <laughs> empower you, like a drink or two. And, and Peter said, hey, look, guys, this is not drink. Hey, yeah, okay, they are drunk, okay, but not on booze. This is what the prophet said. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. Yes, they have been overtaken by something, but not alcohol. It's the Holy Spirit of God which has energized them and empowered them and empowered us to be witnesses for him, for the kingdom of God. And he begins to preach and he, and he brings out scripture from the Old Testament and, and he helps them to see that they had crucified the Son of God, the Messiah, the Messenger, the Savior. And the people got touched in their hearts and said, man, what must we do to be saved? And so Peter tells them, repent, repent, you know, believe, repent, be baptized, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And, and almost 3,000 people responded to that message. A lot of those guys were Jews from different parts of the world. So after the Feast of Pentecost, they went back home to Turkey and to Greece and to Rome and to all those places. And they took with them the knowledge of the gospel. They were empowered as well. And that's how the church began to mushroom very quickly. As you read the book of Acts, you see that taking place. So here we have the events of that day. Now, there was a dynamic going on. As all this is happening in the upper room and outside, there was a dynamic going on. There was something happening inside the upper room. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, the believers, there was something happening in them and to them. But there was also something happening outside the walls to the multitudes that were around. The people that did not know Jesus. The unbelieving people or the people that did not know the message of Christ. Something is happening to them as well. And it was the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit doing both of those works. Inside the upper room, he was empowering them, giving them the, the, the dunamis, the, the power to be witnesses, to do what God has called them to do. Releasing them to speaking tongues they did not learn. And the Bible, as you study the topic further in the New Testament, you see the tongues of men and tongues of angels. When we speak in tongues, you don't know if you speak in an earthly language or if you're speaking a heavenly language. And we need to learn to allow ourselves. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us and release us to do that. Worship time is a great time to do that. And just to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And I've heard so many present day testimonies of people that have spoken in tongues and they've spoken a message in a known language. Years ago when I was a student, we had a, a friend, this guy was one of the first ducktails which was saved in Pretoria. Ducktail, it's an old term, but it was really a, a, a hardened, fighter, drunken, kind of hippie. That's who he was, okay? He would go from bar to bar. Everybody in Pretoria knew him, was scared of him. When he went in, people paid drinks for him, and those that get beat up anyway. Uh, and, and this guy had to be on drugs to be normal. If he didn't take drugs, he'd be completely crazy. He needed drugs to be normal. And people began to talk to him about the gospel and so forth, and he'd reject them, reject them. Until one day, he was lying in bed, he was miserable because that life was bringing him no joy. 
And he said, God, if you exist, help me. Get me out of this. He got out of his bed. He prayed. He got back into bed again. Nothing seemed to change. A few hours later, he woke up. And he he looked out the window. And the world looked totally different to him. He breathed in. And he could breathe the air. Something happened to him. And so he committed his life to Jesus Christ completely. And he became an evangelist for the Lord. And one day he thought, I want to go, I want to visit Europe. I want to visit a few countries. So he went to all nations and he got a bunch of pamphlets. He knew the three or four countries were going to go in. He got a bunch of pamphlets in all those languages. And uh, put him in his bag and off he went. And every country where he was, you'd be walking down the street and you would just take a pamphlet and, and walk up to somebody and just speak in tongues to the person. He says he doesn't know if the guys understood him or not. But the fact is, some people actually didn't understand him. Because as he was giving them the tract and, and, and speaking, these guys are going, acknowledging and, and speaking back to him and, and saying thank you in their language and so forth. He went to three or four countries. He'd get into a lift and just start speaking out in tongues and giving out tracts. A bunch of people started crying. Started responding to the message, even though he could not speak the word. One day he was preaching to a group of Africans here in South Africa and the translator talked. He was a very dynamic guy. And he'd be preaching the message. And the translator would translate the message. And then he'd say something else. And the translator would translate the message. He got so fed up. He says, man, just leave me alone. And he started speaking in tongues to that crowd. The Lord empowered him to speak the language of the people. He gave them a full message in their own language without knowing a word of that language. These things can happen today, people. But do we believe? Or do we frown and say, nah, I don't understand. Do you think that the disciples understood what was going on there? Do you think they had any idea? But you see, because they knew the word, and they knew Jesus, and they trusted in this person that is coming, they trusted what was going on. They went with it. They received. And the Lord could use them. And you and I today, the same thing. Sometimes we don't understand. I don't understand. I struggled with this matter of tongues until the Lord helped me to overcome this. And and still today, I don't understand. But I speak. All right? And it's been a a liberating thing for me. when, When I don't know what to say anymore in English, Portuguese, or Afrikaans, which are the three languages I know a little bit about, when I can't speak anymore and express myself, I go into tongues and something happens. It is released because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will speak through us with moanings and groanings and things which you cannot understand. And so I allow the Spirit to pray through you, to talk through you. And it's also it's a sign. And sometimes when somebody hears this, they, will, they might get a bit of a scrick, but it's a sign. And if you hear the Holy Spirit and follow him, it is a powerful tool. But the fact is, I'm, I divert now, but on that day, that's what happened. And most of those guys were speaking a language of somebody that was outside listening to them. And it was an amazing thing. Now, I said all the, Holy, all the people had was what Jesus had told them. What did Jesus tell them? We're going to go to our second scripture, John chapter 16, verse 7 to 15. Again, uh, Jesus, when he sat at that last supper 
with his disciples. You can, you can read that conversation in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And if you read those three chapters, you're going to find Jesus keeps on making reference to the Holy Spirit. Today, we're only going to look at this little passage here in verses uh, 7 to 15, where Jesus says the following. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, who says that? This is Jesus. He's walking up with us here. You know, when we're hungry, no problem. He just multiplies the food. <laughs> you know, if we're struggling, he can make the storm stop. He can walk on water. He can heal the sick. If you've got a headache, Jesus, I'm sorry. No problem. Gone. What can be better than that? But he says, I'm going to go away. And it's going to be good for you. It's better that I go. And they're going to say, what? Doesn't make sense. Because he said, if I do not go away, the helper, notice that word, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And here, of course, he's referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, I've got to go. If I don't go, I can't send him. So for him to come, I've got to go. And it's better for you if I go and if he comes. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now he's giving a whole bunch of teachings that night. And he said, I've got more to say to you, but right now you're not in a position to accept it. Listen, let's face it. Those guys were having trouble accepting this. You, you read further on and in the book of Acts that some of them did not understand a thing that Jesus said. Only afterwards, after his resurrection, some of them after his ascension, only then did they understand what Jesus said. So there are things here to speak to them, but they were not in a position to receive it. He said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He says, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare to you. Now notice this. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. Notice this. Everything the Father, Jehovah, Yahweh, however we pronounce his name, nobody knows. Whatever his name is, whatever the Father has is mine. He's put himself equal to the Father because he is equal to the Father because he is God. So he says, the Father and me, we, we've got stuff. And whatever we discuss, he will bring because he says, whatever is the Father's is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare to you. So when the Holy Spirit is declaring something to you, he's declaring from the part of Jesus and the Father. Everything he speaks is in harmony with Father and Son. And the Holy Spirit is agreeing and declaring therefore Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in perfect agreement. 
Just like when Jesus was on earth, he says, I'm doing the will of my Father. I'm reflecting the will of my Father. Now he says, the Holy Spirit will reflect the will of the Father and the Son. They are always in unity, always together. Now, from this passage today, we're just going to look briefly at three characteristics of the person of the Holy Spirit and also at the work of the Holy Spirit in this world. Notice I said we'll look briefly at three characteristics of the person of the Holy Spirit. Folks, Holy Spirit is not a thing, it's not an it, it's not a force. There are some religious groups that don't believe in the third person of the Trinity. They think the Holy Spirit is an active force. It's just something that God uses, like magnetism or something. No, no, no. Holy Spirit is a person. As you read the New Testament, and as you even read the words of Jesus, yeah, he, he gives him, he says, he's, he, he, he says it's he. Okay? He. It's a person. It's not it. He will do this. He will hear. He will speak. You need a person to do that. As you read the the New Testament, he has feelings. He can get hurt. He can be quenched. And so the Holy Spirit, like the Father and like the Son, are individuals, beings, persons, with feelings, with thoughts, with emotions. God made us in his image and likeness. In fact, in Genesis it says, we make them in our image and likeness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, having a conversation with themselves and saying, let's create these beings, let's call them humans, and let's make them like us. Have you got feelings? So does the Godhead. Can you create? Godhead can create. Can you get upset? Godhead can get upset. Amen? Because you are a person. God is a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that Holy Spirit, we can't see him. He's immaterial because he's in another level, another plane. He is spirit. But he is as real as the person sitting next to you. Or if you look at me here, he's as real. Amen? As anything around us. In fact, it was the spirit world that created the material world. Therefore, the spiritual world is more real than the material world. Think about that. And so Jesus speaks about this person. So let's quickly look at three characteristics of this person. First of all, we see in verse 7 that he is a helper. He says, I'm going to send you a helper. He says, another helper. Okay? Um, and interesting that that word helper is the Greek word parakletos, meaning someone called to be by one's side to one's assistance to give aid. Back in those days, that term parakletos was used in a court of law, a court of justice, to refer to an advocate, counsel, or defense, one who pleads another's case. Another's case. So the Holy Spirit is there to be with you, to guide you, comfort you, counsel you, strengthen you, everything that you need. Now, isn't that what Jesus was? He was there with the people, for the people. Now he goes away and he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to be with us. As you read that chapter, it says, I will send you another comfort. 
comforter. That word another in Greek as well. In Greek, they've got two words for another. If I'm, if I'm you know, at, at the end of a meal, I'm, having, I'm eating some fruit. Maybe I'm eating a banana or something. And I say, hey, I want another fruit. You're going to say, now what fruit do you want? Do you want a banana? Do you want an apple now? Because another means another. It could be another of the same or another of a different kind. But in Greek, you don't get confused because they've got two words, alos and heteros. If I say, I want alos fruit, means I want another fruit exactly the same as this one. If I say, I want heteros fruit, it means I want a fruit of a different kind. So you look at me and I've got a banana in my hand. And I say, I want alos fruit. So I've got a banana, give him another banana. If I say, I'm holding a banana, I say, hey, I want heteros fruit. You look at me, you got a banana, give him something else. What have you got here? Orange, pineapple, whatever, give him something else. Because he wants another, all right? And when Jesus says another, he said, alos. I'm sending another, alos, just like me. It's not different. He's not a different kind. He hasn't got different kind. He's just like me. He's a helper just like me. So the Holy Spirit is a helper just like Jesus. Number two, he guides us into truth. As he speaks what he hears from the Father and the Son. He says, he'll guide you into all truth. That's why we need to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. As we read the word of God, as we pray, as we wait on the Lord. And we've spoken about this here before. It is so important to learn to hear the word of the Lord. Because he will hear what he says and he will speak about it. He guides us into truth. And so often, you know, you, you, you're reading something and the Lord begins to speak to you. Allow his word to clarify things. And in the early days of the church, remember, they did not have the New Testament. They depended on hearing the Lord. The Holy Spirit helped them, inspired them to write those letters and what became the New Testament. He guided them. It was the beginning of the church. The guys had no idea what to do. How do you run this thing? The Holy Spirit, because they, they understood that he's a guide, they gave him place. They listened to him. And so this guiding that Jesus spoke about in the beginning was, had largely to do with the settling of the church, the putting together of the Christian church. But today he's still speaking because times change. And in every season, we need him to guide us. How do I apply the word of God today? How do I live out the word of God today? Amen. And so it is a reality that we have to, to understand today and live it out. And finally, he glorifies God. He glorifies God. He glorifies Jesus. Now, glorify means to, to show honor, to exalt the character and the work of Jesus. It's interesting, as you read the, the, the Bible, as you read Scripture, um, you'll find that um, nowhere does the Spirit draw attention to, to himself. Nowhere. He, draws attention. he always points to Jesus. His whole, whole aim is not to exalt himself, but to exalt Jesus. Exalt the character of Jesus, the, the, the work of Jesus. He points to Jesus. All right? And so that is... Part of his characteristics. He's a helper. He guides us. 
and he glorifies Jesus. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today? Jesus said there in John 16, 8, we'll go to the next uh, uh, final point of today. Uh, John 16, 8 says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What work is he doing in the world? He did this back then. You see now, inside the the, the, the upper room. As things were happening, this is what he was doing. He was guiding them. He was coming alongside of them. He was empowering them. But outside, to all the people that were observing and watching, this is what he was doing. And this is what he still does. Both of these things, the Holy Spirit continues doing. Showing his character to us and, 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 and being our friend and, and helping us. But before we get to follow Jesus, he first needs to do this in each one of us. Why? Because we are all sinners. Every man, every woman is separated from God. And we all need the work of the Holy Spirit. And so his work is, number one, to convict people of sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is anything that you do that breaks God's laws. But when he talks about sin in, this, in the sense here, he's talking about a specific sin. The sin of rejecting God. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, guys, I don't care how good you are, how many poor people you feed, how much money you give to charity, how much you sacrifice yourself to help others, to help your family, to help your kids. That's got nothing to do with salvation. Salvation has to do with one person, Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way to salvation. Choose me, pick me, pick me. But if you don't pick me, there's another five there or so for you to choose. No, 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 no. He says, I am the way. So if you don't choose Jesus, there's no way you're going to be saved. He says, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am one of many truths. You can pick my truth or pick the truth of that group or that group or that group. No, he says, I am the truth. He says, I am life. There's no other life except through Jesus when you're talking about salvation and eternal life. Oh, pastor, do you mean to say then that if I'm not a Christian, if I don't believe what you say there, uh, if, I don't, if I don't follow Jesus, I'm going to go to hell? Hey, buddy, I didn't say that. The word of God says that. And you see, we live in a day where we're not supposed to offend anybody. We, 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 we cannot make people feel uncomfortable, shame, otherwise they can sue us. God is very often not politically correct. God is God, okay? And because he's God, he kind of thinks he can do anything he wants to do. He loves us. But because he loves us, he made a way for us. He's God. He knows there is no other way. Sin, sin needs payment. Sin needs restitution. Somebody's got to pay for sin. And God loves you so much that instead of getting us to pay for our sin, he sent his son. We celebrated this morning to pay the price for all of our sins. And all you've got to do is receive the gift of salvation. Believe in him, hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is doing this work, going from person to person, from person to person, through using all sorts of means and ways, and trying to get people to look to Jesus and realize your sin 
is all the bad things you do. Your sin is your rejection of Jesus Christ. Get that right and everything else will begin to fall into place. Come on. His work is to convict humanity of sin. We all need to be convicted and realize that without Jesus, everyone is lost. Then he's also, his job is to convict the world of righteousness. And this indicates righteousness, being righteous, being right, being innocent, being true. And here he's referring to the righteousness of Jesus. The, the, the Holy Spirit convicts and convinces the world of the innocence of Jesus. Listen, when, when Jesus said this, what was happening? At that moment, he was being persecuted. People were saying all sorts of nasties about Jesus. He's a blasphemer. He's a traitor. He's a stirrer. He's a rebel. The people were up in arms. Right? I mean, the next day they killed him, okay? So as he's sharing these words with his disciples, people around did not believe in Jesus. They believed he was guilty of something terrible. He was not righteous. The Holy Spirit has come to convince and convict the world that Jesus is righteous. That he is who he says he is. That he is who he says he is. You see, when he spoke these words, again, the disciples had no clue what is he referring to. But what happened in the following days changed the picture. The next day, he was found guilty. He was condemned. And he was put to death. And yet, though he was condemned, the work of the Holy Spirit is to show people that he's not condemned. He is righteous. On the third day, he rose. Today, he is alive. And today, there are still people who do not believe in the righteousness of Jesus. Some say he was just a prophet. Some say he was just another man. He was a good teacher. He was a good moral leader. He was a charismatic leader. But he was a man. And he's dead and he's gone. They do not believe in the righteousness of Jesus. In who he is. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict people that Jesus is righteous. He is the son of God. He is holy. He is who he said he is. I believe that. You know why I believe that? Because the Holy Spirit has helped me to see that. Or what about you? Do you believe that as well or are you still struggling? If you believe, say amen. amen. If you don't, open your heart and let the Holy Spirit show you. Because when we do that, he will reveal to us. We have historical proof. We have biblical proof. And we have demonstrations today of his person, of his presence. And that Jesus is true, that he is alive and that he is our savior, that he is the righteousness of God. And because of that, he is my savior. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does is convict people of judgment. In other words, convicts the world that God is just, is just and will execute judgment. Again, it's a topic we don't like to speak much about. And, and in churches today, we want to motivate people. We don't want to scrut people. We don't want to offend people. So we don't talk too much about judgment. But guys, judgment is coming. Whether you like it or not. One day is one day. It's going to be the last day of this planet. And judgment is going to follow. 
One day is one day you're going to die and judgment is going to follow. Hello? I'm being kind to you. I'm helping you now here. Because we all have to stand before God. Whether you're a Christian or not. Don't care if you're a good Muslim, a good Hindu, a good heathen, a good criminal. You're going to stand before God and give an account. I don't believe in that. So what? Listen, I'm on the edge of the stage right now. If I give one more step, what's going to happen? Which way am I going to go? Up or down or forward? You guys are taking too long to answer. Huh? I don't believe you. Try it. Try it. Thank you very much. You see, I, I, it doesn't matter what I believe. If I give one more step, I will not go forward. I will not go up. I'm going to go down. Oh, but I believe. Hallelujah. I don't care what you believe. You give one more step from this side, you're going to go down. Because God has set a few laws in motion. And when you die, you're going to be judged. I don't believe. You better believe. Somebody said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven. Pastor, have you ever been there? Have you ever seen heaven? How do you know heaven exists? I says, you know what? You're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's all a dream. Maybe when I die, there's nothing on the other side. He says, switch off the lights. Sweet darkness. And my life is over. But if I believe in God and if I believe in eternity and I, and I, I, I live according to the biblical principles, it makes me a little bit of a better husband, a little bit of a better father, more of a bearable neighbor and person and co-worker. And, and at the end of my life, it makes my life better here on this earth. And I've got more, I add more value to people by following the Bible. And then I die and there's nothing, it's all a lie. My life is over, but at least I lived a good life. But what about you, sir? What, what about if you live a reckless life and then you die and you find out that there is an eternity on the other side? What now? He said, oops, never thought of it that way. So you better think of it that way. Because you're gambling with your eternity. My life could only be 18, 90, 120. I plan to be around you as long as I possibly can. I want to bug everybody around me until it's time to go, man. But my time here is limited. Eternity is unlimited. If you're going to gamble, gamble this side. <laughs> okay. Not with eternity. So let's rather play the game right on this side. Because the other side is very, very long to be on the wrong side of things. Hello. Convict the world of judgment. Judgment day is coming. Are you ready? And the only way to be ready is to go back to point number one. Realize we are a sinner. Go back to point number two. Realize that Jesus is the righteousness of God. He's the Savior. Commit our lives to him. And then we become righteous like him. And then judgment is no problem. Because I know and God knows that I'm a sinner. But I know and God knows that I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in Him. And I've allowed the Holy Spirit to come into my life. And in a gradual, progressive way, He's helped me to overcome my weaknesses. And to get, become more and more and more like Jesus. And, and if I die before I become better than what I am now, doesn't matter. The work of Jesus has already paid the price for my eternity. Hallelujah. And I'm okay with God. How's that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
convince, convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And, 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 and actually what happened next, because you know Jesus said that Satan is already judged. What happened next is Jesus demonstrated this judgment because uh, he died and, 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 and he overcame man's greatest enemy, death and Satan. You overcame Satan and you overcame death to show us that judgment is coming. What happened to him? What happened to death? It's going to happen to everybody. And if we trust in him, we are going to overcome death as well. He overcame death. He overcame Satan. The death of Christ was a judgment and a condemnation to Satan. In this struggle, Jesus gained the victory. And overcame the enemy, the greatest enemy of man, death. Which will be the last enemy to be destroyed when he returns. So this proves that God will execute judgment or justice on all his enemies. And so what we need to do is this. We need to trust in Jesus. We need to trust the Lord. We need to put our faith in him. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis, a, a colleague, a, a friend of mine, he uh, wrote something this week about hearing the Holy Spirit. I just want to share with you. He said, the problem is not hearing God's voice, but our willingness to listen to other voices and be influenced by them. You're sitting here right now. You're hearing the word of God and the Spirit is talking to you. But just now you're going to get into your cars, you're going to go home. And on the way home, you're going to hear voices. Okay? People are going to do funny things to you on the road. And certain voices are going to come up. And you're going to feel like saying some things and doing some things. As you're going to work tomorrow, there's going to be voices. Problems, challenges, and so forth. And some of those voices are going to contradict the voice of the Holy Spirit. They're going to put doubt in your mind. They're going to cause anger to rise up in you. They're going to cause vengeance, bitterness, unforgiveness, a whole bunch of nasties. What are you going to listen to? The, our problem is not hearing God's voice. I think most of us in this room will, do hear God's voice. In fact, every human being hears God's voice. But they choose to ignore it. They give ears to other voices. We are too willing to listen to other voices. Entertain them. Listen to them. The Lord says, forgive. Walk in humility. Walk close to me. Wait on me. We hear the voice of the world. You can't wait. Who does he think he is? What about this? And what about that? You, you know, you, you've, been, you've been done wrong, man. You've got to, you've got to, and we listen to those voices. We get upset with our friends. We get upset with our family. We get upset with our church and our members and our fellow members. We get upset with ourselves sometimes. Instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and choosing the ways of the Lord. Today is Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit came we don't have to wait for him anymore. He is here. He brought with him his gifts. He brought with him fruit, love, joy, peace. We've got access to all that, people. I, I pray that as we, we celebrate this, this day, as we remember that um, Pentecost will not become just a, a distant memory, 
a Christian holiday of something which happened long, long ago in a place far, far away. You know what I mean? This is not a fairy tale, guys. This is a truth, a reality, which is valid for today. Today, we remember and celebrate this day. Let it not be just a distant memory of something powerful that happened long ago, but a reality that we live daily, that we live today. Let us expect to sense and see the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As, as when you are awake, understand this, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's been released upon this earth. In the Old Testament, he only operated certain times upon certain people. But from the day of Pentecost, he's been released upon the earth. And we, the body of Christ, the believers, we are the carriers of the Holy Spirit. Become aware of that. Let's expect to sense and see the power of God. He is the one who makes things happen in our lives. For what? For the glory of God. And so let's allow our lives to produce fruit which brings glory to God as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, speak to us, remind us of the ways of the Lord, and whisper to us how to live our lives. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up and close in prayer. Hallelujah. And I wonder while you are standing, if this is quietly there in your heart, why don't you just make a quiet prayer and, and just ask the Lord to... To give you your own personal Pentecost. Not just today, but on a continuous basis. We all need our personal Pentecost. We all need that moment of infilling of the Holy Spirit. We all need that moment of total surrender. And saying, God, I don't care what happens. I don't care if I make a fool of myself. I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to do something which glorifies Jesus in my life. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon the people today under the sound of my voice, those here in this church, those listening to this recording, Lord, enable us to live in Pentecost, not to have it as a distant memory, but a reality today in our lives. Help us to glorify Jesus as we listen and obey and are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence in us, with us, you are our God, our Paracletos, the one that helps us in every way and in everything. We trust in you. We listen to you. We believe in your existence and in your guidance. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us, use us to the glory of God in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. May the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship, the togetherness with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paracletos, be with us until we see Jesus face to face. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day and a blessed week. Amen.